When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Hey, I'm Andrew Bowser. And I'm Sapphire Sandalo. And welcome to Alter Weekly. Coming up on the show, we talk with the crew behind Unspookable, a family-friendly spooky podcast. We discuss how investigating what scares us can be healthy for kids and why we're drawn to scary things in the first place. Then we talk with filmmaker Mark Cartwright about the real-life observations that led to his alter horror short, We Die Alone. And on the Alter Society, Bowser and I discuss Evil Eye. But first, Sapphire, I don't even have to ask if you had a spooky week. I know you had a spooky week. I know. Because you had a video (laughs) get pretty popular on TikTok showing... Something spooky happening. How many yes. views does it have? How many views does your video have? Do you know? It is currently above 500,000. That's great. That's which great. Is wild. Half of it is people totally freaking out. The other half is people yelling at me <laughs> because <laughs> I, I, there's nothing there. <laughs> right. Like, no, there's something there. You're just not looking at it. Well, I would argue there is something there as well. Why don't you tell the Alter Weekly audience what happened? It's time for a spooky check-in. So I have another podcast called Stories with Sapphire, and I interview people who've had real paranormal experiences. And so I was interviewing this girl, and she had been telling me about how all her life she's experienced a lot of paranormal things. This is very normal occurrence for her and her family. And so, and this is over Zoom. And so she's about to get into what she considers the scariest experience of her life. She's like, oh, this is the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. And as she's saying that, I see something move behind her and it's really quick. So it doesn't really register at first, but I know something moved. And I realized that it's the curtain behind her um, that's like over her window. And so I, I paused the interview and I'm like, hey, uh, just a quick question. Is there a window behind you? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, is it open? And she's like, no. <laughs> and I, I'm, like, I'm like, um, okay, well, I'm pretty sure I saw something move behind you. Yeah. And then she turns her computer to show me the window. The curtain's not fluttering and I'm like dying. I'm just like, I don't know what to think. But then when she moves her computer, I also see there's a little cat tower thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, you have a cat. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, maybe that's what moved it. And she's like, oh, but he's locked up in the other room. Yeah. <laughs> so I just lost it. I was just like, I don't know what to make of this. So that really, yeah. it creeps me out. And so I was like, okay, maybe 
I'll post this on TikTok. And 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 clearly it was smart that you did so. I I admit when I first watched it, I didn't see the curtain move, but I saw like light move on the wall. So I yeah. thought you were you were talking about that. That's what a lot of people in the comments were talking about. Right. Yeah. But then once you rewatch it, I, mm-hmm. I knew though that you wouldn't have well, I think you might have sent it to me first before you I posted did. it. Yeah. So I was able to just like scrub back through it on my phone. And I knew you wouldn't have sent it if there wasn't something a little more concrete. And once I rewatched it and I saw the like clear billow of that curtain, I, I was spooked too, because it is such a distinct movement. It's such like a, uh, mm-hmm. like somebody pushing that curtain mm-hmm. uh, or, or yeah, I guess if the window were open, I'd buy that it was a gust of wind, but it's like exactly. a gust. It's not this like, continuous thing as if it's like an air conditioning vent it's just such a clear like boom Um, you know what's so weird though is that before that happened I remember thinking wow her and why would I think this but I remember the thought crossed my mind that like oh she's a little bit off center in Hmm. her framing and no, I am not in any way saying that she like planned this. It's just like, cause it was, it was an odd framing. Like I, I it's not a way that I would have framed myself if I was using a laptop. Like there's gotcha. just like a little bit of room to the right. And I was just thinking about that. And I'm wondering if like, and this is me just getting real weird, but I'm wondering if like that she unintentionally did that so that the curtain could show up and that whatever was there in the room with her and my theory is that um whatever moved that curtain was doing so to show her that it was still there the thing she was going to talk about in her story was like yo hey just so you know i didn't forget about you i'm still here yeah Um, and it chose to do that motion it chose to do that exact thing because it was right out of frame, right yeah. enough where she wouldn't notice it herself um, looking in her camera, but it was enough for me to notice it. And she, and she has said that, that she has continual experiences like yes. this, right? Like so there is supposedly was, something that's yeah. been with her for some time. Mm-hmm. I do want to give her podcast a shout out. Um, yeah, do it. Kool-Aid podcast. Check it out if you like spooky stuff, which I'm sure you do. Well, that is such a cool experience to have had this past week. And that is a true classic spooky check-in, too. <laughs> yeah, we haven't had one in a while. I know. News slash. That's right. Get ready for your news slash. Hey, Internet's own weird Satanist guy is making a feature film. What? What is this news slash about? It's about me, Andrew Bowser. Uh, I launched a Kickstarter this week for my character Onyx the Fortuitous to make his very own feature film, a horror comedy entitled Onyx the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls. It's a bit of a throwback to 80s adventure horror comedies like Fright Night, Night of the Creeps, and yes, The Monster Squad. So if you'd like to see Bowser put his money where his mouth is and stop talking about 80s horror and start making some 80s horror, then go to onyxthemovie.com and consider backing my Kickstarter. That's O-N-Y-X-T-H-E-M-O-V-I-E.com and consider backing that feature film Kickstarter today. And that's it. That's your News Slash. News Slash. Nate, Elise, and Ellie are the talented team behind the Unspookable podcast. Here's our conversation with them about the importance of educating kids on the subject of things that go bump in the night. 
Thank you all so much for joining us so we can talk about your show, Unspookable. We're really excited to chat with you. My goodness, thank you for having us. So why don't we start by having you explain how the show came to be? How did it all start? Well, uh, the show itself, um, we tell the stories behind the scares, uh, myths and urban legends. And all of that started with my daughter. Uh, she came home from school one day and said she wanted to do Bloody Mary in the mirror. Yeah. I said, well, <laughs> awesome. But first, maybe there's some things you should know. And then we realized that at the elementary school and early middle school level, uh, there are so many of these things. And it really takes me back to like my horror beginnings as well. Uh, of these things are all perpetuated, you know, and mm -hmm. passed down. And they may change the introduction of the Charlie Charlie challenge yeah, or, you. Mm -hmm. you know, Momo being real on social media. And these are all questions uh, that my daughter had. Um, and luckily, I surround myself with people that are smarter than I am. So enter uh, Ellie and Elise. And, uh, you know, we started working on this podcast together at really telling the stories, uh, you know, the history of them, the brain science, which is something that, you know, Eleanor brings so, so great to the table with that stuff. But with so many urban legends, the thing that really interested me in why are these stories still being told and who gets to tell those stories? Huh. Uh, so particularly as we start looking at, um, you know, demonizing women throughout history of maybe we should start looking into why these stories are being perpetuated, um, you know, particularly in Western culture. I love that. And I, what I love about this show is that, you know, it's not just the scares, it's also educational and history. And you talk about things from a skeptical point of view. And I love that, um, you know, I'm, I'm such a fan of parents who are very open to educating kids around this type of stuff because not a lot of parents are. <laughs> So I, I also do like spooky content that is for kids, but when it started, I wasn't going into it with the intention of it being for kids. All of a sudden it was seven-year-olds and eight-year-olds were watching and the things that I made were very not kid-friendly. So I have a very bad <laughs> like filter, like kids are dying. Like I know that's the number one rule. You don't show that, <laughs> yeah. but like, I don't really know where the line is just because like families and children do watch my stuff, but I don't think people would call it family friendly. So I guess, um, in your opinion, where is that line for you? So I actually want to tell a story real quick that happened to me uh, just the other day, because I think it, it speaks to this. Um, so I also work in theater. And as we know right now, that's not a huge possibility. Uh, so I've, I've been hanging out with kids, been tutoring and nannying and just picking up, uh, you know, caretaking jobs, different things. Cause I do love kids. And, um, I was talking to this six-year-old who I hang out with and her sister and she was like teasing her sister. And she was like, I'm going to eat you. I'm going to eat you. And her sister was like, oh, you, why would you want to eat me? You're not going to eat me. She was like, you, like, you don't want to eat my arm. Look, like there's all this stuff in here. Like <laughs> if, you, if you eat my skin, there's like all this stuff in here. And her six-year-old sister goes, what kind of stuff? I could still eat your skin. And she goes, 
what about my blood cells? And the six-year-old deadpan, creepy AF looks at her and goes, the blood is the dip. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> so I just say all that to say like, <laughs> we're all like really weird and naturally mm -hmm. curious about like <laughs> gross things and scary things and like all that kind of stuff. And I just think that it really depends on the kid and it depends on the family. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's one of the things that I love talking about with this show is when I recommend it to someone or if someone's like, oh, I didn't know that you also wrote a podcast. That's cool. Should my kid check it out? I'm like, well, what's your kid like? What do you like? Like, what do you mm -hmm. talk about with them? Because I think that's one of the things that we miss when we try to provide these sort of blanket like appropriateness ratings it's people are just different they're really right. different and a lot of times when we say like eight to 12 years of age that's really from an adult's perspective of what an eight-year-old should be and that that's just not the reality a lot of times so it's been really great to have those conversations because you you figure out like where people are at and how they're starting to think about that as parents as I know Nate does all the time with a larger goal being that by the end of an episode we're hoping that um that kids have the understanding um you know with their families their grown-ups whoever they're listening with uh that these things are not necessarily scary if you have the right uh tools and understand that the blood is the dip <laughs> which by the way is the name of this episode now so i love that <laughs> but she was so serious yeah. right nobody, like nobody has yet gotten to her and been like stop being weird right and i, I hope know. they never do yeah i know yeah you know, when I grew up, I felt like there was entertainment for kids that had a little bit of a harder edge that was spooky, that you know had roots in in the horror genre. And then, for again, I don't have children, so I don't know a lot about the content that's out there for kids. But what I do see of it, it all feels a little uh, safe. It all feels mm -hmm. much safer than it was in the eighties. Uh, do you feel that way? And and do you feel like? kids appetites are are still though ready for that darker stuff or have they also kind of gotten used to the safer entertainment this is one of my favorite uh favorite topics to discuss <laughs> um because it's it's built into the goal of the show which is very much being a kid of you know the late 80s early 90s in that mm -hmm. everything was shooting just above our maturity or our reference level and we had content that we could grow with it could grow with us the more that uh that we understood and i think a lot of the um the content censorship backfired if you remember you know the uh, the explicit language on cds for those of mm -hmm. us that remember cds um you know that stuff uh really backfired in that these were the only cds we wanted to buy then yeah. you know anything from two life crew or beastie boys to you know whatever it was that we were watching and the same thing was true with uh R-rated films, you know, I uh, like one of the my favorite experiences as a kid, and even as a young teenager was walking down the um, 
the horror video aisle and looking at the boxes of yeah. the movies. Hell yeah. As <laughs> soon as, you know, my folks uh, would rent them for me, I was going to devour. And then being the product of a broken home and realizing, oh, I can take an advantage of this to get them to, you know, rent all the R-rated films for me uh, at a young age. Um, and I feel like we were a generation absolutely prepared for that. The thing is, it was just parents and laws that changed. I don't mm -hmm. think kids mm -hmm. ever did. You hmm. always want that thing that you're not supposed to have. Just one level. If you're 10 years old, you want PG-13. If you're 13 years old, you want something that's rated R. Uh, you know, to Eleanor and Elisa's point earlier, uh, those things aren't applicable across the board. It's about mm -hmm. your maturity level and if you're ready. You know, I had horror, I had horror movie related nightmares as a kid, but I still wanted to watch one the very next night. Yeah. And I think kids are the exact same way now. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I would look forward to the scariest part of the movie that wasn't otherwise scary, like Large Marge. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd yeah. be like, got to get, I can't wait to get to Large Marge. <laughs> I had a question in regards to your own beliefs around cryptozoology and the supernatural. One of the episodes I listened to was Mothman because he's my guy. Uh, Mothman and Goatman. Goatman of PG County, Maryland specifically, not Goatman of Texas. But I liked that you, it was such a great balance of, I was thinking of if I was a kid listening to that episode, I'd want that episode to end with, and just so you know, Mothman is real. Roll credits. <laughs> I know, I know you have to make sure you kind of explain both sides or more than more than both. There's many sides to it. And I thought it did such a good job of not squashing any of the perspectives that could exist around that subject. And I wondered if that was intentional to kind of keep some belief uh, alive around the supernatural, possibly. It doesn't feel like the intention is to just uh, remove the mystery from these things, which I thought was really cool because a kid like me would have wanted to keep dreaming that one day he'll he'll fight the goat man. One day you will, Bowser. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and so for you, does that come from a personal place of belief for you or? I just like, I across, across the board, I believe in all of it. Like, yeah, every single thing. That's you what know, we love like, to hear. Not, I'm just not, I'm never going to be able to see a ghost if they hear me saying that they don't exist, right? Yeah, right. So I'm off chance, wow. right? And I like, I, I feel really strongly about this. Um, and, and why not pass that on, right? Like mm -hmm. I want, I want everybody to be able to have some critical thinking about it, but I don't think that like, critical thinking has to get in the way of, you know, us giving like fire and, and passion to these like things that some people think are bizarre, right? Like yeah. fairies, come on, fairies have got to exist. Like they just have oh. My grandpa has seen them. My friends have seen them. Exactly. Fairies are real. They're just not like how you see in the movies, not like tiny little people. Yeah. They're just like specks of light that I'm yeah. going to stop you talking just... before. <laughs> 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 No way. Talk about fairies more. <laughs> yeah, they're real. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about um, being a kid and knowing full well that Santa Claus was not real, but still wanting to play along. And my grandfather giving me a really hard time about it and me being so pissed. Um, <laughs> being like, why would you burst my bubble? I know it's fake. It's fun yeah. for me 
to believe he's real. Like, let yeah. me have my day. Um, and I, I guess I feel that way about this too. Like similar, just wanting, let people come to their own conclusions, mm-hmm. have whatever opinions they want to have, as long as they're not harmful. Mm-hmm. Like, right. great, have fun. I'm one of those kids that has a vivid memory of when he was told that Santa wasn't real and it crushed me. It like destroyed me. And I tried to play it off. Uh, I, some kids at school had said he wasn't real. And I came home that night and asked my dad and I said, so wait, I, is Santa Claus real or not real? And my dad said, well, he, he's not real, but it's because of this and because of that. And you know, it's a thing we do around Christmas so that you can have fun with blah, blah, blah. And he gave me a big hug and he's like, you okay? And I was like, yeah, dude, I'm good. And then I started walking <laughs> oh, away oh. and just started bawling and had to run oh. back and like jump in his arms. Um, so I, I wish they'd let the dream maybe go for a little bit longer with me, <laughs> but I know it's, it's also difficult because, um, you want to breathe, you want to in- encourage a child to dream and imagine, but you also don't want to outright lie to them about anything. What are some of your favorite episodes that you've done so far? And what are some subjects that you haven't yet tackled that you're looking to dive into? I think... Gosh, I feel like I have a little ideas that always float into my head and then they float away. Um, but one that's coming to me now is like Ring Around the Rosie. Um, yeah, things like that. Um, I know we did talk about a little bit and we have the plague episode, but yeah, just similar like death culture stuff. I think yeah, would be there's interesting. a lot more of that that would be really cool to dig into. And it's hyper relevant and politically. I mean, our Black Plague episode, you know, released in May, obviously wasn't about the Black Plague. It was, you know, going through what we're all experiencing right now. And I think that there are so many things historically um, that shed light on, you know, the things that we're experiencing in present day, uh, so much so that I think we could be a lot more political in that show. We've definitely done the groundwork to do that. What about fave episodes that you have done? I've got one locked and loaded here. So we just did uh, uh, like a Illuminati episode where we were talking about secret societies. Uh, And that to me, again, because of its parallels uh, to present day um, and some of the hypocrisies within those secret societies, people that claim to be progressive yet wouldn't necessarily let women into the group that wanted to take over making decisions, you know, for, uh, for the entire world. There's a lot of things there that, uh, we're just, I really felt them in, you know, the, the times that we're in, oh, the times that we're in, you know, uh, and uh, looking at those things historically, uh, when revolution starts happening in the shadows, people with good intentions uh, that maybe have a skewed worldview. Um, and I thought that those things were hyper relevant. So that became an instant favorite for me. Yeah, I think similar, like, um, I love the episodes we do that tackle media literacy, which we did a little bit with that Illuminati episode um, and with Momo and the Charlie Charlie challenge. Just, I've become a nerd about like media and I'm interested in media's influence on identity formation and the ways we negotiate it as we're trying to understand the world as kids. And like, yeah, while they're trying to do their identity formation thing. Um, So that's where my head is at right now. I have so many favorites, but just like, in terms of my own academic interests right now, that's where it's at. I think just because of 
like some of the things we've been talking about and like like believing and stuff i'm i'm thinking most about our two parter on witches because <laughs> nate kind of made a little bit of fun of me he was like you kind of you're you're kind of encouraging paganism in this like you're just straight <laughs> up saying you and you can be a witch too child and i was you like can. yeah <laughs> Can I so? <laughs> okay. Is that, is that a problem? I know, like, what's the big deal? <laughs> well, well got, it made the cut. <laughs> yeah. I got really excited because, you know, I just, I just loved being able to be like, I mean, isn't a prayer just a spell by yes. a different name? Yes. You know, like, like what do we, like, what are we th- throwing belief at and how do we describe it right like that's that's all it is and if it does something good for you great you know fantastic and that's why i think the like the momo and charlie charlie and and slender man also like episodes like that are so important because we're not saying that's a matter of belief when things start to hurt people really mm-hmm. directly that's not it's like no 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 friends we have to talk about why this yeah. is dangerous right but in terms of like people living the life that they want the way that they want let people be witches who cares fun. yeah and you know when you brought up slender man it actually reminded me of um i forget when this happened it was a couple years ago the two girls who kill or stabbed their friend who ended up living so what's interesting to me about the types of stories that we know where it came from like we know the origin of slender man it originated on the internet we know that's where it came from but then the effects of slender man are very real so in a way it sort of makes slender man kind of real in a sense and I don't know that's something that's so fascinating to me just because living in the time that we do where information spreads so fast and urban legends come up all the time like we can see the start of something and see that it still can affect people in a very real way I don't know (laughs) especially with adolescents or preteens you know the telephone game still exists they have access to a ton of information but the idea of fact checking something doesn't necessarily occur. So, you know, by the fifth, sixth, seventh time you see something on TikTok, all of a sudden pencils can move on their own, or all of a sudden mm-hmm. there's a really tall, creepy guy in the woods looking for me and my friends. Yeah, that's essentially what I was going to put. I mean, what you water grows, you know, it like that's you're talking about like Slender Man kind of becoming real because we made it so humanity is like sharing and and believing and talking about it like made it that powerful well thank you all so much for joining us this was such an amazing chat and we really look forward to seeing all your future episodes and everything you do well you two are the best thank you so much for having us yeah thank you for having us Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Filmmaker Mark Cartwright has crafted a chilling short entitled We Die Alone that's on altar right now. We talk with him about the inspirations behind the short and how he thinks the horror genre can provide insight into the nuance of human relationship. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. We're excited to have you here and excited to talk with you. Thank you. Excited to be here. <laughs> so let's just start with the alter horror short, We Die Alone. Yes. Where did, you're the writer and director. Yes, wrote, directed, and produced it, yes. And along produced. with Baker Chase Powell. Awesome. So where did this idea come from for this short? So, yeah, so um, I was, I've always been interested in like relationships and, you know, kind of the, how people sort of interact with each other. And I had just come back from a vacation and it was kind of like this place where everyone talked to everyone and kind of, you know, communication was just really strong with people. And then, um, so I live in Los Angeles. So I come back to Los Angeles where basically everyone ignores everyone. So it's like, (laughs) (laughs) so is that kind of like drastic? But then it started me thinking, I was on this hike and it was, um, I was just thinking about how people, like misconnections that people have and and just how people are in the dating world and, and the defense mechanisms people have to try to keep themselves safe. And um, it just kind of developed from there. Well, we always like to talk to filmmakers about the, the kind of practical side of pulling shoots like this together. Right. Um, how did you pull the resources together for this specific shoot right. and, and you can get as detailed as you as you want um, right, right. um you know did you have financing was this the kind of thing that was traded on favors right. uh, were the actors people you knew or did you properly cast for this right, what was right. the process like well we definitely I, def- I mean i believe in paying everyone just because i don't know i think you get better work that way and you can kind of yeah. demand a little bit more <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um yeah i mean i mean of course you know free things are nice but um I don't know, I just, we wrote it and then I put it together and kind of workshopped it, you know, with um, with people. I had uh, Cassie Keat, who is the screenwriter and she sort of helped me put the, you know, dialogue and helped with all that. And then I just like really hashed it out till it was something that I believed in and started talking about it with people and family members. And they did give me some money and some friends gave me some money, but you know, half of it I'd say was um, financed and. Yeah. And it was self-financed and half was probably given to. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, my producing partner, Baker Chase Powell, like he, um, I mean, he was the lead. So I mean, it, we, I kind of knew, I kind of wrote it with him in mind. And then um, we wanted definitely to get someone that we knew. We loved like Ashley Jones, who plays Elaine. We kind of started with her because we really liked her. So we contacted our casting director who, um, you know, is kind of focused in on her and we got her that way. And um and then Samantha like kind of nailed the audition right when she came in. So, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think then it just kind of, you know, once you sort of have this project that you believe, it kind of all, you know, starts falling in place and there's, you uh-huh. know, planning and all that stuff. It was actually very smooth as, as far as, um, you know, putting it together. Kind of. Yeah. And ha- how was production for you? Was that pretty smooth? Like right. locations and the day-to-day, did everything kind of stay yes. on the on the rails? Well, there was, well, there was, I, I will say, well, production, the apartment, Aiden's apartment was my, was my apartment, okay. but it's much, much cleaner. It's not that, not that messy. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, there one day though, I guess like I haven't had experienced a fire drill probably since like elementary school. 
But <laughs> my building that day, like, the day of where we're shooting like the biggest like scene, my landlord comes, she's like, oh, the city wants to do a fire drill uh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this <no>. day. <laughs> so we're like, oh my gosh. But I had an amazing um, assistant director, um, Nicholas Gianforti, who he like got it all done and like organized it. He was amazing. So we got it all done. So that was uh, the biggest thing. And then two other locations, um, we were, you know, one is an office building, which was great. That went smooth. And the, uh, we went to Lake Arrowhead to shoot the, to shoot the, the laundromat scene. And that went well. That was fun. So you talked about the origins of this kind of coming from observing how we communicate or don't communicate all the time. Uh, did it always have a, and spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't watched the short, but listening, but did it always have a, a violent ending? Did it always kind of take the shape of something that would fit in the thriller horror genre? Or were you investigating kind of other ways to explore this? Right. Well, I mean, I love like psychological horror. And, like I like, you know, so yeah, I, don't, I kind of always knew that I wanted it to be once I decided that I wasn't doing an experimental film, yeah. I did, um, I did, yeah, I went, definitely wanted to do this sort of psychological or, you know, horror um, direction. And, you know, and it's, it's about dating, so, which is a scary, scary thing. So <laughs> <laughs> there's lots of opportunities there for, yeah. <laughs> for horror. <laughs> um, what are some of your favorite psychological horrors, horror films? Right, right. I mean, I love like, um, I mean, I love Darren Aronofsky. Like, I think like, you know, Black Swan's like I mean, like I love just the I like that character type you know, mm -hmm. um, The Shining I thought was is probably one of my favorite films that you know it has the nice because I I find that today a lot of people try to do the slow burn and it's great but it can it can it's really hard not to make that boring you know where it's just yeah. things are kind of creeping along and you're like but so you know I just found that the way it was done was just and it's like a two hour it's a long movie you know but I'm, yeah. I'm in, invested the entire time you know so. I always say that, uh, you know, to have a slow burn, there still has to be some heat. Yeah. And right? I think a lot of times. <laughs> Something has yeah. to burn. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. People yeah, have suggested, to be peaks and valleys. Yeah. People have suggested some more modern horror films to me, and they say, well, get ready, though. It's a slow burn. And I'll watch it, and I'll say, well, this isn't a slow burn. It's just boring. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, my God. Like, I don't like mentioning Name, yeah, like, that's it. But name I them. mean, there have just been some. <laughs> but I mean, there have been some where I, I see, like you know, critically they may have gotten reviews, but I'm like, God, there's nothing. Literally, nothing happens like, right. in the film. Like, not even. I'm like, how? Like, what, am I missing something? Or <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. Well, what about uh, any specific films inform the tone or maybe even the look of 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 We Die Alone, was there any film that you rewatched before making it? I also know a lot of times filmmakers uh, kind of like to clear their heads before making something of their own so that there's not too much influence. I definitely like to, well, I listen to a lot of music. I would say um, there's a, it was a song actually, it was a classical song. It's called A Sequence for Minor White. And it's a, it's like a 20 minute, um, Oh my God, wait, why am I, I'm blanking on the guy's name that wrote it, which is so bad, but it's okay. But, um, but yeah, but the song's called Sequence for Minor White and I loved, it just sort of like, just the, the feeling of it and just is kind of, it just was amazing. So I listened to a lot of that when I was thinking of story. Um, I do watch movies like that kind of have the feeling. I, I did watch a lot of Black Swan because I liked the um, kind of the desperate, the need, you know, that, that kind of desire to be, to be, loved and, and wanted, you know, and, and 
that kind of the horrors of being trapped inside that desperation, like, you know, just that sort of self, you know, sort of falling apart. Like, I just, I love stuff like that. So, yeah. you know, I would watch that, read the scripts, you know, sort of see how they, for, you know, formulated. And then um, another one, which is like a, a short, actually, it was an Oscar winning short called Stutterer which I really huh. liked um, for just the kind of quieter mode and the lone moments. And you can, I mean, if you watch, you can probably see like some, you know, um, you know, just like where like some nods or like some like, you know, interest in that film too. Were the characters based on any people in your life? <laughs> I mean, loosely, yes. I mean, I mean, I don't have any like murderers going on. Not that I know of. <laughs> I, hope <laughs> I hope not. But, um, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is especially talking to friends and or even my own experiences and, you know, mm -hmm. listening to different people's like, you know, like I said, defense mechanisms for trying to guard against, you know, because each each character I wanted to sort of be a version, you know, like the Aiden who like sort of keeps himself, you know, in his safety zone, um, Elaine sort of romanticizes everyone, you know, or romanticizes someone she likes. And then uh, Chelsea, who sort of, you know, without giving the spoil spoiler alerts, but it's like kills, you know, anything that might be going well. And I definitely, I mean, I had a friend like who literally would, she would go on dates and it would be amazing. And then she would tell me how she was going to just demolish the guy. <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> I'm like, what? But she didn't realize she was doing it in a way. And I'm like, yeah. Wow. Interesting. Wait, <laughs> what like, types? Of things that she do i mean it's just like you know just make fun of him or just like you know just she would purposefully like make fun of him or i mean i forget the exact ones now but it was just stuff that you shouldn't do to a person that you're trying to date right. <laughs> interesting <laughs> yeah you know it's so it's so funny to me i mean like i haven't been single for years but right. it like it's so funny how when you're dating, it, it almost seems like, oh God, what am I trying to say? I, I feel like when people are dating, the mm -hmm. simplest thing you could do is just straight up say, hey, I'm not into this anymore. Or like, hey, right. I don't want to see you. But it's never the thing that people do. And I've done this too. <laughs> and it's just like of so course, wild to me. It's do. like the answer is right there. Why yeah. can't we all just say what we're thinking? Yeah. And then Absolutely. everything is so much easier instead of like, oh, are they ghosting me or like whatever? Right. It's just like exhausting. It would make everyone's life. And the funny part is, is like everyone sort of experienced something that they don't, you know, some version of that like in their lives. So it's like, why aren't we like, okay, I don't want to be treated that way. So, but you know, we do, because I think people don't, you know, you develop these, these sort of ways to sort of deal or these fears or whatever. And it makes for great horror films. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what are some things you feel are maybe lacking in the genre currently? Right. What are, what are some ways you'd like to see horror you know, a lot of people love where, where horror is at currently. Right. We, yeah. we think we're on this kind of upswing of, I hate to use the term because we don't even agree with the term, but like right. prestige horror or elevated Ooh. horror. <laughs> we, right, think, right. we think all horror is horror. We don't need right. to slice it up to in order to digest it better. We love the we love the elevated stuff, air quotes, air quotes, and we love the camp. Uh, my favorite stuff is the the gooey, drippy stuff from the 80s. <laughs> Absolutely. And Sapphire's got a place in her heart for like early 2000s. Yeah. Oh my or, God, yeah. Like the yeah. teen, like teen, like the, like 
final destinations. And oh, I love those. Yes, one hundred percent. So, what do you do? You think when you look at the landscape of of, of modern horror, do you think anything's missing from past decades? Uh, where where do you want to see yeah. it go? I want people to start having fun again. You know, I think yeah. like I yeah. think everyone. And I get it, like, you know, we're entering a new time, people want to seem smart and they want to have, and I think, <laughs> you know, and it's like, they want to get me Sundance or whatever. But there's, I think there's way, there's ways I think to have, you know, fun horror, but then keep like, you know, keep a pace going or keep the, have fun with it too and be, you know, thoughtful about your character development. And, you know, cause yeah. I, mean, I get, I get it. Like a lot of like, Sometimes fun hard, you know, sort of forgo story and character development just for the, you know, just to have fun. But I mean, you can combine the two and like, you know, it's, it's, I feel like, yeah, I think that's, I'm, I'm ready for people to kind of like, you know, start having some more fun. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. We talk about that often that mm-hmm. there's, there's, um, uh, I, I've brought this term up because um, I've been told when pitching my own projects that have a certain amount of levity in them, or yes, right. maybe even comedy, right. that uh, people say, well, we don't want comedy horror. We want straight horror. Right. And I, I look at some of the most famous horror films of all time, and there's so much humor in them. There's oh, so yes. much fun. I mean, gosh, even John Carpenter and Wes Craven, right. there was so much fun in those films. Or one of my favorites is Demon Knight, the Tales from the Crypt movie, you know? Right, right. Um, there's so much fun in those films. Yeah, or even like going, like taking it like on a on a more serious, like with The Shining. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of moments that Jack, even as tragic as Jack Nicholson's character was, For I mean, there's sure. those moments that were like hilarious because they were it was so dark and he was such a bad. You know, what yeah. I mean, there's there's ways to have fun without making it. You know, it doesn't have to be you know, slapstick comedy. Kind of exactly. Thing, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was still such a heavy movie, but yet arguably not bleak like there's still right. this spark yeah. there's this spark inside of it and a lot of it is because of right. what nicholson's doing yeah and i feel like just in life like even in like nothing in life is like one note you know and it's right. like mm-hmm. going back to like the sort of slow burn films a lot of the nowadays it's sort of one note there's no you know it's like the person's sad and then that's who they are for the whole movie and then yeah you know they're saying some things i don't know but it's like there's those yeah. peaks and valleys i think are what take us on that roller coaster while mm-hmm. we're watching the film. So for sure. For sure. Yeah. So are you working on or, or have you made anything else in the horror genre? Uh, anything that's kind of tethered to the same tone as We Die Alone? I am developing a feature right now that I think is going to be like it's I mean not the same story, but it's like I want to have that kind of character that is um you know kind of has that desperate need for something, you know, and, and is sort of doing a lot of internal struggle but like you know um but yeah so i i think the feature i'm developing it now so i don't have i can't give too much away on it but it's like totally but i'm i'm liking i like i do like that type of character you know so it's like i'm ex- exploring in other ways and would this feature uh be involve the same team some of the same people from sure, the yeah. short yeah 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 i mean definitely i mean the lead again um yeah like i definitely put to use baker again for something and um, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely want to see, you know, also explore other things and bring, you know, sort mm-hmm. of see what else works there, but yeah. All right, Mark, now it's time for some crazy cues. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Yes, Ooh, I am. Yes. <laughs> All right, here we go. Yes. Do you have any 
real life horror stories or paranormal experiences that you'd like to share? Yes. Okay. So when I was, I guess it was when I was five to nine, I think I, my mother moved into this house and it was terrifying. Like it was this little house on Long Island. Like there's like, you know, and I was, I, I couldn't sleep. I heard things. I would be in bed and I would feel like, it felt like someone was like sitting on the edge of the bed. Mm-hmm. I would see things. It was like extremely terrifying. Um, and I, I think just, I would develop night terrors and I would like, just like sleepwalk in there. And, you know, I was always like waking up and, you know, as a child, like, you know, I was scared to call for my mother because I wanted to go sleep, you know, in her room, but I was scared to say anything because I was, you know, that something was going to come get me or whatever. And I mean, and it wasn't just me that thought it, like anyone that was at the house or like, you know, people that would visit would be like, this house is just, there's something here. It's something huh. strange. So strange. And then, um, and also, I mean, there was, when I was there, my, my grandma, I love my grandmother. She was like, she just was such like a unique and different person, but she, um, she, for some reason, my dog, she got in her idea that it's dogs, it's name should be Satan. <laughs> so, oh, my God. oh, I love that. So That's she great. named my dog Satan. So what, but this dog was, it wouldn't <laughs> behave. So it would always like, it would get loose and run around the neighborhood. So, I mean, I, as when I was five years old, I didn't think it was weird, but we would be sitting in the front yard calling the dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> So the neighbors must have thought we were absolutely crazy, like standing in the front yard yelling for Satan to come. <laughs> if, if you don't, Mark, if you don't write that into a film. I know, oh, yes. Oh my God. <laughs> that is the cutest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. It was hilarious. Yeah. So, oh, I love that. That's well, right. <laughs> did you ever find out why that house felt yeah. so weird? No, and I want to, actually, I would love to, like, go back there and shoot a film in there or something yes. like that, you know? Um, I'm trying to see, I've always looked to see, if, I mean, I don't know the people that live there now, but it's like, I kind of want to, I want to investigate it or something, just because it was yeah. really, it was a really strange house, you know? It's like, mm. I don't know. There's probably <laughs> Yeah, especially if multiple people kind of picked up on that vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, in the basement, there was, like, this, like, weird, like, mound of dirt or something like that uh-uh. in there. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, it, was, it was so strange like i don't know <laughs> well the next crazy cue is if you could exist in the world of any horror film what yes. film would it be and this isn't to say if you acted in the horror film but if you were actually yeah. a character in that world right. what horror uh film would you like to be immersed in i would say like when i thought about this question i was thinking like the first thing that came up was Carrie. Cause yeah. actually I had a friend, I had a friend who reminded me of Carrie without the superpowers, but, but when, when I was in high school and I have a tendency to do really well with, like, I like, lo- I like loners. I like just like people that don't talk to everyone. And, you know, I don't know why. Like, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe because I feel more special. Like if someone's a loner and they choose to talk to you, it's so much more special than yeah. if someone is like friends with everyone. And you know, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. So I like that. I like. Wait, that are you a cat person? I do like cats. <laughs> I, I have. know it's something that I've heard, like why people prefer cats over dogs. That like right. dogs love everyone, but then cats, if they like you, it's really special. Yeah, like they do. Oh my! And I had a cat, and she hated everyone else, but she would come. <laughs> people and people like tried to make her love. You know, 
might make her love them. And she was just like, nope. But then to me, she would just curl up. So I do love that. That is so- <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. I needed to know. No, no. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. So Carrie, I think like, um, again, like, I think it's that kind of character again, that I really like to write about, like, you know, that wants something wants to be accepted, you know? And um, I said, yeah, I don't know. I like that. I like that world. You would be Carrie's friend. I would totally be Carrie's friend. Yeah. You, would, yes. you would protect her. You would be spared in the end. After, yeah. And then I'd have these amazing special powers that she could like use for me. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's like, yeah. Could... <laughs> yeah. What is Carrie getting out of this relationship, though, Mark? You seem to get my undying friendship. <laughs> <laughs> I will, you know, I, yeah, it'll be amazing. A sound me. advice, probably, <laughs> a shoulder to cry on. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> All right, now for the spicy question. What right. is your hot horror take? I would say, and I was trying to think of it, like, um, well, I liked, I really liked the film Mother. And <gasps> I, I know, love Mother. I know, but it was, I was, the reaction of it when it came out, I was, I thought it was very interesting because kind of like people were very divided and it was like, people were getting angry about, you know, this film and I was like, that's, perfect because it's exactly what the film you know minus the allegories but it's like it's exactly what the film's talking about and like the the sort of drastic and and I think beyond reasonable reactions sometimes you know I was like that's that's kind of perfect and I just I like, still have not seen that film oh you haven't <gasps> I yeah. wonder what you'd think Bowser I don't know I wa- what you think yeah I wonder too is what I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> but just because it is so divisive I, I'm curious yes. to know where yeah. I land yeah yeah, yeah. I think- Part of why I loved it is just that it made me feel so strongly in a way that I hadn't felt about a movie, like any other movie. Hmm, Like I really felt for Jennifer Lawrence. I was just like, oh my God, please just like leave her alone. Yes, (laughs) exactly. I really, really felt things. And I like it when movies make me feel things. 100%. And that's why, I mean, that's why, I mean, Aronofsky is one of my favorite um, directors, I think for that reason, like, even like The Wrestler, like I was just like, you know, I don't know. It's like, I felt for him. I really, I love those characters, that character type, you know? And, or, or just watching someone try to sort of navigate in their own world. And, you know, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Mark. That was a fantastic chat. Thank um, you. Where can people find We Die Alone and where can people find you on social media? Yes, well, you can find We Die Alone on Alter. Um, we're excited by the by the response we've gotten so far. So definitely add click like and leave a nice comment in there. And um, <laughs> and on Instagram and Twitter, you can find it We Die Alone Film. And also, you can find me at MC. It's MC Photog. So MC P H O T O G is perfect um, for Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. Well, we look forward to seeing anything and everything you do in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. Welcome to the Alter Society. Thank you for joining us. This week we watched Evil Eye from a directing team, Elon Dasani and Rajiv Dasani. It is about a superstitious mother that is convinced her daughter's new boyfriend is the reincarnation of a man who tried to kill her 30 years ago. Now, I didn't know anything about the plot of this movie. I didn't even know that logline. Hmm. You knew the, the general log line going I did, in, right? Yeah, okay. I Googled it. <laughs> so I think it may have, me not knowing it, it may have uh, been a, led to a better viewing experience. Yeah. Because um, I, I, I mean, I figured the 
twist would not be oh by the way spoiler alert but if you're listening to the alter society you've watched this movie you know how this goes you know how this goes come on you've been here before um (laughs) watching the movie even though i didn't expect a twist of the mother being wrong i still thought it, it it could be possible that it was all in her head yeah. or that she the superstition had led to some kind of psychoses but mm-hmm. um but it, it it did shake out to be exactly what she feared in right. the end which um i imagine if you knew that going in it may have been a less eventful experience i don't know how was it for you um yeah i would agree i feel like i shouldn't have read it yeah <laughs> read that log line because it's that is kind of the major twist i would i would say and you yeah. find out maybe after halfway the through the movie. So I was like, oh, I, I already knew this. <laughs> yeah. it's Yeah. And, and, and the truth is you can deduce, uh, well, you find out pretty early that that's what the mother thinks is happening. Right. So the fact that it was kind of a straight line to that proposed destination, I guess it didn't have the surprise that maybe like a black box did, which just to mm. compare it to another Amazon Welcome to the Blumhouse film. They both kind of deal also, with like- Also reincarnation. Involved. Totally, totally. Reincarnation, who's in whose body, whose consciousness is is running the show. Um, right. And I felt like Black Box did a, a, a better job at keeping me on my toes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say something I felt like they both had in common as a, as a plus is they both had really grounded performances. Mm-hmm. which, you know, a lot of times people don't go for with thrillers or horror. They kind of let yeah. it be heightened to a point of camp. But um, I really liked the main performances from the the mother and the daughter. I mm-hmm. felt like they they grounded those characters in ways that not everybody would have. I think they had they had respect right. for the material and the genre in a in a nice way. I like totally vibed with a lot of stuff about this movie uh, thematically yeah um obviously i'm a very superstitious person i feel like totally oh God, is this gonna be me one day yeah <laughs> totally <laughs> ah. shit. um you're gonna be like wait a minute is your boyfriend an owl oh my gosh <laughs> oh my god honey you can't marry that owl <laughs> he's part of the owl illuminati <laughs> no that is going to be me as a mom, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. my final form. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I liked I liked that aspect of it. And I also really liked the um, the themes of generational trauma. And yeah. Ending that, you know, like I thought it was really sweet. Uh, in the end, she was like, oh, God, what did she say? She said, um, oh, like men like the men like this will always be there. But right. We- fight it together and I was like oh my god that's so sweet totally and, and also very very true like there is nothing really that you can do to stop people who want to try and hurt you yeah but what you can do is um fight back when you can and like yeah well I'm just like I don't know I really I liked that message a lot it was really sweet and their relationship was really convincing for me because I feel totally like a lot of times in thrillers or not maybe not necessarily just thrillers, but like in a lot of movies, like mother daughter relationships don't really feel genuine, and their relationship yeah. was believable to me. I was like, yeah. Okay, so Sapphire, this one's very easy to figure out our rating system. How many evil eyes do you give 
evil eye or would you or or how many how many blue earrings would you give evil eye Ooh, what do you think it should be sapphire earrings. yeah that's right yeah. it was sapphire <laughs> so how many sapphire earrings mm, wait pair we always do pairs of stuff know, for rings. why do we do this to ourselves <laughs> so a pair counts as one one okay so star let's see and out of five out so of five out of ten yeah yes <laughs> Uh, <laughs> 10 earrings got that alter society or are y'all caught up they're like oh my god why are they always making it confusing because <laughs> it wouldn't be alter society if yeah. we didn't convolute it heavily yes. um i give it i want to say three pairs of earrings okay and i'm knocking it two pairs of earrings because i felt like the pacing was a little bit uh slow like uh, slow in the sense of i feel like this could have been a shorter movie like maybe this yeah. could have been a short um and they it kind of felt like it stretched this i this really cool idea out yeah like over the length of or like it overextended itself i think yeah um but i did like the themes and i liked the performances so that's why i'm giving it three still I am on the exact same page. I give it three sets of earrings. So that is six. But in our world, it's three <laughs> stars, sapphire earrings for evil eye. Because um, I, I would make the same deductions, I, I think. And, I, and maybe it is a budgetary thing with, with some of the mm -hmm. Amazon Welcome to the Blumhouse films. Um, that they seem often like they are really great premises that just don't mm -hmm. quite have the resource resources they'd need to fully explore those premises yeah i can see that um so it felt a little hamstrung in what it could accomplish and so for that i give it three out of five that's all for this week's episode here's what's coming up on alter this week new episodes of paranormal solutions inc on february 19th then Chromophobia on February 22nd. In a blasted post-apocalyptic wasteland, two women try to survive a future where the very colors which surround them have been corrupted by something alien, infectious, and deadly. Then, The Follower on February 24th. Fueled by the hope of escaping her dreary suburban life, a misunderstood teen entertains the increasingly sinister advances of an internet friend in a riff on the 1966 Joyce Carol Oates story, Where Are You Going? Where Have You Been? That's all for this week's episode of Alter Weekly. Until next time, stay altered. You can catch new episodes of Alter Weekly every Thursday. Get it wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe and download. Alter Weekly is produced by Andrew Bowser with theme music by Sapphire Sandalo. Alter Weekly is executive produced by Stephen Michael and Lauren Palmer at Gunpowder and Sky. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.